I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome back to the Thursday 905 Roundup. Uh, we have got a jam-packed episode, so let's not waste any time and let's get right into it. Roland, what story are we starting off with today? Uh, we started to hear hints late last week that there was a big announcement coming from the province with regard to uh, Burlington's urban, long-standing, long-running urban growth centre downtown development um, debate and the, the promised change that the minister had already made about moving that urban growth centre from uh, its location downtown up to the Burlington Go Station area, which which um, is basically echoes how uh, Oakville arranged its um, focus for development back in the 19, uh, early 2000s, sorry. Um, so the announcement has indeed sort of come today, come to light today, basically through through the city announcing, uh, giving out a, a press release or a media release um, saying that with immediate effect, the 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 uh, minister has moved the urban growth centre and also removed the major transit transit station area designation from downtown. So, um, so far so good, I guess. Um, th- these are things that the um, many, well, certainly the uh, Lisa Kearns, the Ward Two councillor, and the Mayor Marianne Mead Ward campaigned on at the last election, and. Uh, so that has been achieved. However, uh, um, as particularly noted by the Ward 2 councillor, um, the the minister has also seen fit to exclude uh, a number of major developments which are already on the books, so to speak, not approved necessarily, but um, but in, in the process of approval. They're, which, they're grandfathered um, in. They got, yeah, they're they're grand- they got in underneath the wire. That's basically what the minister's saying. Yeah. Um, those developments, um, there's seven developments actually, sorry, not six. Um, those developments, which um, I'm just going to try and bring up the list while I'm um, talking, um, but undoubtedly include some some of the most controversial and, and locally disliked um, developments that have been proposed for downtown. I believe also, I believe including... Um, some major plans for Old Lakeshore Road, um, which is um, which, which is really where Marianne Midward's uh, municipal career started was on uh, was on protecting Old Lakeshore Road, um, and the developments if they go ahead will, will basically mean that uh, not only has has a, has there been a failure to stop um, the kind of development that was envisaged in the in the mid. Uh, Noughties, uh been, has not been stopped, but but rather than the kind of 10, 15 story buildings we were fearing at that time, we're dealing with 30 story buildings. Well, that's, that's um, the, the, well, that's the cusp of it, isn't it? Like the, mm-hmm. basically, this is what we were talking about just before we hit record. The, you know, the, the, during the, in the summer, uh, the mayor and uh, MPP for Burlington, Jay McKenna, and the minister uh, for municipal affairs, Steve Clark, all had this great big, Love in outside City Hall press conference where this big announcement of, oh, it was made to sound like Burlington had won. They now have final say over how this is going to develop. And basically, uh, no, they, they, it looks like the city got played for fools, in my opinion. Um, they, got, they, 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 they said, yeah, we'll move it. But basically, we're moving it after the fact. The, what you wanted to do, we're not going to let done. And the reason why I, I'm 
I mean, nothing is said for certain that it's going to move forward, that these developments are going to move forward and that it's a done deal. However, there's a big asterisk on that statement. And that statement is that they're now all in front of the Ontario Land Tribunal. And as we've discussed many, many times on this podcast, and if anyone watches the news, they know that that's pretty much a rubber stamp for development. Uh, we, I mean, we, we start talking this about uh, the Lakeshore and Pearl development in Burlington and how that got approved despite, you know, the city objecting to it. And it's this, I, I, I don't see, I don't, I mean, the, the argument in that case was that the, the land tribunal said, hey, you've already got all these high rises. What's one more basically was the, the rationale. If they use that precedent, I don't see how you stop any of this stuff going, going forward. Well, you, I'm caught in a, in a conundrum between two things. Wanting to recognize on the one hand that if I'd won election, when I ran in for council in 2018, if I'd won and if I had delivered, I had been part of delivering these things, I would be delighted right now because it's like, this is what I said I would do and I've done it. Um, so for money, I mean, we, Ward's point of view, and perhaps from Lisa Kern's point of view, it's like, well, what else the hell do you, what the hell's, hell else do you expect me to have done? Um, but at the same time, we have to recognize uh, that the wheels of government move so darn slow that it's certainly from many people's point of view, the, 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 and I think I used the phrase last week, you know, the, the barn door is open and the horse is gone. Uh, the, the, these, huge buildings are already in the pipeline. The things, the exact thing that was all meant to be stopping to create an environment for appropriate intensification and appropriate development downtown that would work within the context of, uh, you know, the historic buildings that exist and the kind of um, uh, neighborhood that residents have expressed a desire for. Um, that's not going to happen because these buildings are already here. Well, that's, um, that's, that's ultimately the, the problem is that, you know, development doesn't depend on municipalities anymore. The power clearly resides at the provincial level and at the Ontario Land Tribunal. And that's, you know, the, that's one of the things that we've been, we, again, we've been coming back to, it's a theme that we've kept coming back over in this podcast is that, uh, you know, Bur Burlington can, can shake their fists at the moon all they want. It's not going to stop it from shining. Uh, well, the, the, and and um, sorry, carry on. Well, I was just I was saying, like, I, I find I find these arguments to be a bit disingenuous. Of oh, we're going to fight to preserve the the, nat the nature and quality of Burlington, and I'm like, you you haven't won anything. You, you got the minister to move the the urban growth center, which I said it's not going to stop anything, and clearly I was right. Nothing is stopping these these. Developments probably will go on. There'll be fights over how many stories or, or whatever have you, but that the buildings are going to happen. Uh, I mean, I, I suspect what you're saying, Joel, will be much more appealing to to listeners than the what I would say, it, which is that moving the urban growth centre is the biggest tool available to the city and the major transit station area, what we used to call um, mobility hub. Mm -hmm. Moving those things takes away tools that were in the developer's hands, major tools. And if you look at downtown, it would now be downtown Burlington will now be in the same state as downtown Oakville. And if you look at downtown Oakville, there are no high rises. And if you look at downtown Burlington, there are. So, there should be, in a, in, a, in a more sane world, they should be in a stronger position. 
do the developers are the developers still able to point to precedent? Yes, but the city can now point to the province and say, look, the province moved things. They clearly didn't mean this not to be uh, uh, of any importance at all. So yeah, I, it's very disappointing, I would think. And I'm reading between the lines, I suspect, I mean, we're hoping to speak to a representative from the city um, in the next few days. Um, reading between the lines, uh, Lisa Kern's uh, uh, statement on this suggested she was pretty darn disappointed However, I mean, I guess you can say there's a lot more room downtown than for these just these seven buildings, and maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. There, but, there'll but be uh, a, a a reduction in in the speed and See, extent. Here, here, of the here's the thing, Roland. This I don't think this matters at all. I, I really, I think, I think we're splitting hairs. And I think this is this is the argument that the development industry wants. Development industry wants everyone to play into let you know let, let we'll fight this and we'll we'll fight for these many stories and, and and it's it's it doesn't matter they've won why because they have the government the party that they want in power in Toronto they are clearly on the side of development in this province look at all around us not just Burlington but look at Hamilton look at uh up near Halton and and, and Vaughan with the 413 and the Bradford bypass this Government is all about pave it, tear it down, pave it over, build it up as quickly as possible. The development industry changes their argument to fit whatever the situation is. They they they, they know they can have this divide and conquer strategy. So in Burlington, it's well, you need more intensification. We need to we need to build denser denser populated cities. And then they come to Hamilton when Hamilton says, "No, that's what we want. No, no, no. We got to expand. We need to build this white land, this white belt." land that, that's undeveloped now we need to we need to bulldoze that and build build there and then you know it's okay why well we need to build a highway why uh because we think we do and this government is saying yep let's build let's build let's build and we'll find a way to do it and that's basically what this grandfathering clause is about is okay we can go and say hey we give the city what we what what it wanted it wanted to move the urban growth center from the downtown core to the ghost stations. We'll give it to you. And they got the publicity that they wanted out of it. They got that press conference. They they had this the mayor come out and say, hey, this is fantastic. You know, we we got what we wanted. Thank you, Doug Ford. Thank you, Minister Clark. Thank you, Jane McKenna. Yippee. And then she did that before the the ink they, they even signed anything on the on the dotted line. And what happens? Oh, we're gonna throw in this grandfathering clause. So all these seven developments that are that are on the books prior to uh, uh, the 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 movement of the urban growth center, they, they now get to be considered as if there was an urban an urban growth center. Like as the arguments as they stood then are to be considered in front of the Ontario Land Tribunal. I I we can argue say oh well, the the urban growth center has been moved. I don't think it's going to change anything. Nothing nothing has nothing has stopped. The development from going forward as as it happened, like I think that the, they're playing shuffle the shuffle the deck chairs on the Titanic, and they think they're making a difference. And I'm talking about the municipalities at this point, and they're yeah. I mean, I guess we're almost talking cross purposes, and I completely agree with you about the the this provincial government, their attitude to developers, and the city. The city has been using the tools at its disposal to do what it can. 
the tools at its disposal are very poor and very weak. And even when they succeed, I mean, and, and again, I, I can't not give some credit to uh, the uh, to the mayor and to this council um, for having got as far as they did, because, you know, um, I mean, maybe it speaks to some kind of level of desperation or panic about trying to save Jay McKenna's seat. I, I don't actually think it, I don't know if they actually think it does because I don't feel that the, uh, well, I think the most likely likely outcome, it, I mean, it's, well, it's, let's not it's, even talk no, about it's, that it's, yet. It's, it's politics. It's, it's what you do. You, you throw your, Burlington's right now looking like a safer seat than, than ever, but you know what? You throw your, your, your backbench or line, uh, you know, a gift. And here's the thing. It's not about keeping her seat safe. It's about keeping her quiet. She's a backbench MP, M- MPP, doesn't have a lot of, of sway in the in the caucus, I bet. But you know what? If you say, hey, we gave you that thing, we gave you cover so that you can take it and, and run with it in your in your riding, stay in line, stop rocking the boat, we, we gave it to you. That's it. You're never going to hear from them again. They'll never come back in, but they get, they got what they want. And they said, well, you know. We can play him for fools. We we give the we give Jane a, a cover. She looks like the hero, but at the same time, we got to satisfy our donors, which is the development industry. So what do we do? Oh, well, throwing a grandfather in clause. We got the press conference, and yeah, the city council is pissed off. They're they're they do what every city council is, does, and every other grassroots organization. They get pissed off, and they they all bitch and moan about this many stories or that many stories. Yet nobody talks about actually like, hey. How do we take control back? Because the current well, that yeah, and that that again is that's. I mean, we haven't talked about it yet today, and and it's the great unspoken discussion that yeah, that was absolutely how I felt after the last election uh, when I was kind of looking at so how am I going to stay involved in things in whatever way, um, and it was this feeling that you know the real fight is at the province level. And for whatever reason, the the fight is not happening at the provincial level. Um, oh. I mean, it, it. So you know, in Burlington, everybody talks about Marianne Mead Ward and what she's doing. Everybody talks about the councillors. Um, everybody talks about, um, ha, you know, has Marianne let us down? Did Marianne promise us more than she could deliver? Who cares about Marianne? It's the province that's the problem. Right. Um, it, it, you know, and, and when I say it's the province, I don't necessarily just mean Doug Ford. I mean any government that forms a government at Queen's Park is basically going to be uh, none of them that I'm aware of have suggested any significant change to the way that See, la- uh, development and planning happens. But here's why. Province. Here's why. Here's the dirty little secret. It's political cover. If you're the liberals or the NDP, they get elected to power. Let's say, let's say hypothetically, Andrea Horvath becomes premier next election. Hypothetically. She's not going to change the system. And because it, it's not in her intent, in her benefit to change the system, her the system works because you can cherry pick uh, where development goes. You can you can change you can muck around the rules a little bit so that it becomes more difficult. And that way, your local MPPs look, hey, I'm the hero of the day. I stopped this development. I stopped this. I stopped that. But to actually go in and say, let's rewrite the you know the the law. So that the cities actually are the final arbitrators of where development goes. The city must develop a system, an impartial and fair system to develop to develop their their own municipalities and their own infrastructure. 
that will never happen because you take the power away from MPPs who can come in at the 11th hour and say, hey, I saved the day, or, or in the case of the conservatives, come in and get lots of money from developers and from the development industry by saying, I can come in and I can just pay, literally pave paradise to build a highway or a couple more de- housing developments or a couple more high rises, whatever the case may be. And I can, li- I can make it worth your while. It's the entire thing is just pure politics because the easiest way just to end it would be give it to the municipalities and say, here, here are the targets you have to meet, meet them. Well, it was disappointing. Uh, I know uh, Michael Coteau was the one candidate in the, in the liberal leadership, I believe, who was talking about um, the concept of um, allowing municipalities to kind of become almost like minor provinces, which basically means cities having be able to elect to have the right to be independent of the province and, and to set their own agendas in a way that they currently can't. That idea went uh, down the top, you know, disappeared because he didn't win the leadership. Um, the, um, <laughs> you know, ironically, I would say Stephen Del Duca is the probably the most pro developer of the of the candidates that that uh, liberal uh, and Andrea Horvath never says a peep about development. Really, no. I mean, if I if she says a lot, I've I've missed it, and I apologize. I'm happy to receive all the all the. I mean, I get. Uh, you know, the media releases coming from uh, from the NDP all the time, and I never see anything about development coming out. Um, and I don't get why not, um, uh, because it's a vote winner. You know, but what we have right now is, as you say, a kind of divide and conquer because the conservative, the PCs are resolutely pro developer. Yeah, Jane McKenna is going to be able to present herself at the next election as kind of a, a saviour of Burlington against the developer, um, which is simply not true. I mean, this is the woman who had a photograph taken at the car- at the universally loathed carriage gate development on Brant Street opposite City Hall, um, who's now going to be saying, well, look, I saved downtown Burlington. Um, I don't get, I know we've, we've mooted it a few times before, so why the... Well, I guess I do get actually, um, and it's because municipalities are, are inherently short-sighted and and kind of only interested in their own uh, little areas. Um, but I feel that what should happen is the you know the AMO, the the Association of uh, 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 Ontario Municipalities or whatever they're called now. Um, these guys, the, the municipalities need to be kind of ganging up on the province collectively for their collective interest. But how it works is, and we've seen this with the MZO issue, that you know, on the one hand, people are saying, "Well, this the use of MZOs is is you know an absolute farce for local democracy." That the minister just comes in and overrules everything. Meanwhile, the the municipalities who are on the one hand being shafted by this uh, use of MZOs are lining up to ask for the minister to do things for them using MZOs um, because you know it's, it's so. Mm incredibly short-sighted and and counterproductive to their their own long-term interests. That's the thing. Until the municipalities kind of say, we're not going to take it anymore, this will just go on and forever. Um, It's the issue that is is the defining issue of the 9 and 5 for this decade, at least. And I I 
fail to understand, and I've said it, I'm repeating myself, I'm going to repeat it one final time. I fail to understand why this isn't a bigger provincial issue when it's such a massive municipal issue and why the municipalities can't make it a provincial issue through their collective actions. Um, that seems to be what needs to happen to me. Anyway, let's move on. Um, we uh, democracy. Another story from Hamilton. Democracy. Democracy. <laughs> democracy collapsing somewhere else in a different way. Uh, well, maybe not democracy collapsing, but democracy not. Um, well, just not really happening is a, is a way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. So um, uh, Hamilton has appointed a temporary councillor until the next election. Um, the um, person they selected. Um, is Russ, this is, is Russ Powers, the, who's a former Dundas councillor. Yeah. Um, so for our those who, who are not aware, the former Ward 5 councillor uh, has just been elected to uh, to the federal, uh, in the last federal, federal, federal election. I can't speak there. Uh, Chad Collins is going to uh, Ottawa to represent Hamilton East Stony Creek as a liberal, which meant, of course, there's a vacant seat on Hamilton City Council. So normally how one would think this would work is, hey, no, nobody's sitting there. We still have months left in the term. Let's have a by-election and have the people of Ward 5 elect someone to represent them. Uh, that did not happen. Instead, we had what appeared to me, and this, I mean, this, I didn't read, go into it in, in detail, but it appeared to me it was just a really long job interview with a number of prospects who came forward to say, I want to be, the, I want the job applying to city council and the city, and they all come hat in hand in front of city council at a, at a meeting and basically beg the city city council. Can you give me the job? Can I, can I be the ward five counselor? Can I, can I play politician for a few months? And the city council had a vote. And in the end, the majority elected Russ powers uh, to represent them. Now I, I, I don't know Russ Powers at all. I have no say of whether or not he will be good or not for the uh, for the people of Ward Five or to sit on City Council. I quite frankly don't care. Uh, I, I I look at it and say he does not have the mandate of the Ward Five people. He has the mandate of a majority of councillors on on Hamilton City Council. That's it. Uh, and those, those people would be uh, Maureen Wilson, Narendra Nan. Esther Pauls, John Paul Danko, Judy, Judy Partridge, Arlene Vanderbeek, Brenda Johnson, and Brad Clark, the ones who voted for him. Uh, you know, that that's th those people are who who I think Russ Powers is really beholden to, not the people of Ward 5, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's a sad state of affairs that that's how uh, Hamilton City Council will operate for the next few months. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they should have been, I think, there should have been a a, a, a by a by election. Um, you know, uh, uh, cities have the power under the municipal act to do this. Um, I don't really think they should in this day and age. You know, again, all these things, so many things in the municipal act, kind of go back to the time when when city councils were, you know, a kind of cozy board well, of directors. For the, the city, city wasn't that and, um, thing. Like it, the town council was literally yeah. like you knew everybody in the room, and everybody was like your neighbor, your best friend, or you you. The mayor was also a part-time doctor that probably, or part-time vet that you had over to your farm, uh, right after city council let out. You know that's that's, uh, and, and you know Russ Powers has 
many people were uh, saying on Twitter last week that, you know, Russ Powers' selection was a good thing. Basically, it was a good thing because it wasn't Larry Diani, and that this was the stop Diani candidate, and 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 Russ Powers was able to get enough support from a couple of the more conservative, old school councillors to get them to vote for him rather than Diani. Um, Diani, uh, they've both both the the two who both received votes, just Larry Diani and and Russ Powers, have both been. Um, uh, lobbyists um, at various points. Uh, Diani is a is a current lobbyist um, at City Hall, um, uh, and he is also very outspoken um, against the kind of uh, you know what is perceived as the new uh, new councillors or the new the people who support the newer councillors and who are looking for a larger scale change on council. Um, he was the one who described um, the kind of um, cabal of of university intellectuals who were trying to take over the city a few weeks ago. I mean, you would have thought that alone would rule him out of contention, but apparently not. Um, uh, so, but I don't worry as you can see, see, see uh, this as much of a victory. I, I'm not sure, you know, I, you, think, you know, if you're, if you're going to go ahead and do this and not pay any attention to and not hold a by-election, you would hope that the person who came second in the last election, who was one of, I believe his, um, was one uh, Juanita Maldonado, um, I believe came second in the last election. I mean, fair enough, it was a very distant second, but it was still second in the election. You would hope that she would have received much more credence. From what I've heard from a couple of people on Twitter, she represented herself very well. Um, but no doubt that was enough to rule her out because she would have been, um, you know, progressive, maybe pro LRT. <laughs> um, um, you know, well, there's there's uh, a, there's a number uh, and well, there's a, a number of votes that are that are <laughs> on know? the on the slate in, in front of City Hall, uh, City Council in Hamilton. One is you know LRT, making sure that that gets. I mean, it's pretty much a done deal. Um, but. You know, you want somebody who's not going to try and muck up the the process and and kind of help help facilitate the the necessary movements going forward. Uh, but the, there's the the question about uh, you know we had to stop sprawl Hamont people on uh, a few weeks ago. There's a question with the the white belt in Hamilton. What what is going to happen with this stretch of land? Is city council going to vote to expand the urban boundary or not? And that's you know that that's something that you want again. I I don't know Russ Powers personally. I don't really have a background on where he's going to stand. I don't know what his political stance are, mostly because um, he didn't campaign. Like you know, I'm sure if he campaigned, this question of what, where are you going to vote on this issue would have come up. We don't know. We don't. We don't. We don't know. And like that, and we can't hold him to account to say, hey, you said you were going to vote this way, and you said you, and then you came out and you voted the other way. Not saying that he will, but like it's this kind of black hole of. What you know? How like people like people have a right to ask your your candidates like, how are you going to vote on this? Are you are you in favor of redevelopment? Are you are you in favor of expansion? Are you in favor of yeah. LRT development? Are you would you have been gumming up the the works with you know bureaucratic mucking about? Well, and the way the the way these the way these things work. Um, I mean, if if I'm any judge of how councils operate at all, which some would probably say I'm not, but if I'm any judge at all, you know, a good candidate 
uh, such as uh, well, a good candidate is, is at a distinct disadvantage going into a selection process yeah. like that because no one wants to put some. And the other thing is putting someone on uh, putting someone into council right now, less than a year before election, and incidentally, days almost rushed days ahead of one of the most important votes that the council mm. is going to take in in perhaps the next twenty years on the, on the exp- urban expansion. Um, which is, you know, very telling uh, that they, you know, that they kind of pretty much tried to bring this forward so that so that so this person could get a vote. Um, is yeah, I mean, it, it's really a fuss. That per- whoever that person is, Russ Powers now has an advantage, a big advantage, going into the next election because he is the incumbent. Incumbency in in local democracy is everything. Um, so to 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 do that, and again, that was why they wanted Diani because he's one of the old boys club, and he's a good old guy, and he votes the right way with all those old creeps. Um, excuse my language, um, but a few of them really are um, who are on Hamilton Council, um, and um, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, thank God he was stopped. Uh, I, I don't have, hold out any great hope. I don't think Russ Powers should be appointed this way, and now have. A far easier uh, avenue to to staying on council at the next election than his opponent. Again, uh, as I understand it, uh, uh, Juanita Maldonado was the candidate who came second at the last election. And um, from the very little I know, and I'm very much saying this at second and third hand, um, is a uh, is a fine person to be considered for the mm. job. Um, so why the hell wasn't she given more uh, respect? Well, I, I don't know about uh, that. I just I at, think that should doesn't matter who should have been given more respect or who should have been given the job. The job should have gone to whoever was elected, whoever, whoever got elected by the people of Ward Five. That's that's who I care about. That they they I don't I really don't give a rat if Larry Diani won or if Russ Powers won or if Juanita won. I really I I could give I don't give two rats of a or two shakes of a rat's ass about who won. I care about the process because the people of War 5, I think, got screwed out, screwed over. It's a, and you know what? That's, they just, again, I think the city council has made a, a, a short change decision that uh, that sold people short in the, in the city of Hamilton. That's all. One. Uh, well, I completely agree there. I completely agree there. Um, it should have been a by-election. Uh, I would. Yeah. I mean, the only really thing I'm adding here is that that by by selecting someone, they've now prejudiced the next election, um, and knowingly so. They know fine and well that that's the right. case. Last short brief. I just want to touch upon this before we sign off for the night. Um, so we're recording this on Tuesday night, and the big news came down that Aaron O'Toole, it looks like he's facing a, uh, a internal rebellion in the Conservative caucus. And the only reason why I bring this up in the 905 is because as if you are aware of your geography and aware of your politics, you'll be aware that Aaron O'Toole is a 905-er. Uh, we've actually tried to have him on the podcast a couple of times, but you know, no, no luck. Maybe now he will. Uh, the The... Yeah, so you know he, he, as we anyone could have predicted after his after the conservative loss in the last election, federal election, uh, the knives are out for him. And basically, a couple of days ago, Denise Batters took to Twitter 
Senator, Senator uh, Denise uh, Batters, uh, who is a, a staunch conservative appointed by Stephen Harper in, during the last mandate, uh, but she took to Twitter to basically call for a, a, a removal of Aaron O'Toole. He, she put out a, a petition for conservative party members to sign to basically demand his resignation or a leadership review so that they could oust him from the position of leadership as is part as part of the conservative party caucus, uh, uh, constitution. However, uh, that cost her. Uh, today, Aaron O'Toole said, nope, you're out. You're no longer a conservative. And I, I mean, I'm not going to say whether or not it's right. I, I, if I was Aaron O'Toole, I'd do this. In fact, I tweeted it. I tweeted it, and I'm like, Aaron, I want my uh, my my consultation check for taking my free advice. Um, <laughs> I, I I said like Aaron should just kick her out to say no. Do you want to do this? You're, we're going to play hardball. I'll kick you out, and who you know, just say who's next. And yeah, do you know? I. I I'm eager to see what, where this plays out because I think this might be the unraveling of Stephen Harper's coalition because uh, it definitely seems to be a two parties within the conservative party. One is kind of a more moderate, sensible set, uh, party, one that one that accepts that COVID is real, vaccines work, uh, climate change is real, and we need to use market devices to help combat it. Uh, and Aaron O'Toole had had tried to push this idea through. You know, the, the infamous bit during the policy uh, conference a while back was that he tried to have the conservative party just admit climate change is a threat and must be acted upon. And that was too controversial for a number of members of the party and it was voted down. Uh, I, 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 I think this is the start of an unraveling of the conservative party. You're gonna, you're, I can't picture these, these, these two sides are too far apart. Um. Well, uh, yeah, and I, I, would, I, I would think I'd just argue this has been unraveling for a while. Um, the fact is, in our current climate, the and our current electoral system, that still doesn't stop them take, taking elections remarkably close. Um, but you know, any party that can choose Andrew Shear as a leader, I feel is 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 already unraveling. <laughs> I mean, I think. The thing that fascinates me with these people, I mean, I'm just reading, reading here the the, the, the quote from uh, from the senator um, about why O'Toole sh- should be you know booted out. It's like, well, he he ran as a true blue leadership candidate, but he then did a 180 degree turn and ran on a campaign that was nearly identical to the Liberals. Now, what I remember about the last election was that in the early days, the Conservatives were doing slightly better than expected, and that was while. The Conservatives were actually managing to talk about policy. Mm. And when it all turned back to the Liberals again is when they got forced off policy, when the Liberals and the media found stories about Conservatives saying dumb things, um, and when uh, the PPC moron started throwing rocks at the Prime Minister. Um, it wasn't the policy that, that, that was the problem. I don't understand how right-wing Conservatives, like even more right-wing Conservatives, can ever argue that a move further to the right is the right thing? Because it's like, well, where do those votes come there. from? You know, it's the old thing I used to say about the Labour Party. It's like, well, the Labour Party has to live in the centre because the left's going to vote for them anyway. Uh, this is in the UK, obviously. Um, well, that's... You know, so you can you can assume your your coal miners and your, you know, your real so- old school socialists are going to vote for you because they've got the nowhere pro- else the to problem, go. The problem in the Conservative like Party is 
uh, and it's kind of the same with all all political parties in Canada, I think, is you, you think you have a big tent, but you really don't. You just have the same people showing up all the time. Um, the liberals are are positioned to win because they do fall in the, mid, in the middle, in the center, and they are able to kind of pivot back and forth to capture enough of the vote as they as they can, and that's how they keep winning. The conserv the problem with you know the conservatives, and this is the problem with Aaron, that I thought Aaron O'Toole had is that Aaron O'Toole strikes me as a very sensible guy. I mean he he wants he wants market ideas to solve some big issues, and I, I I'll give him credit. I mean I don't necessarily agree with some of them, but they are they're not really out there like oh my god this guy you know nothing about Aaron O'Toole really scared me. It was a believability issue. Did you know? Did you know? He said one thing, and they come back to, "Well, I don't really mean that. I'm going to do this and this." So you had the the believe that was the issue, believability. The, but I think the problem was that he tried. You know, you saw he was trying to bring the party back to reality. The fact is that you know, the, the I go back to the climate change issue. He clearly, I think Aaron O'Toole gets climate change is a very real existential threat to humanity, and that Canada needs to play a part in this solving of this crisis. The problem is, I think he also realizes, holy shit, the majority of people in my party think that's the lie. How 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 do I you know how how do I lead this party to victory when I half the people are crazy. Well, and and when the foundation of the, your party and it, its sort of heartland is is an oil field, that's the other, that, that's an the oil other state. Thing. Uh, you know, it, it, I thought I thought Aaron O'Toole was an interesting choice. I thought, oh, maybe we'll get back into how do we get the market to help? You know, a twenty first century economy, green technology, solar panels, wind turbines. You know, the the knowledge economy kind of going again, and how do we get that? open up those doors and those markets for post COVID-19 recovery. And instead it's no, we got, we got, we got to dig for more oil because you know, that's, that's where our base is. Our base is in Saskatchewan and Alberta. And all they know is oil. They, 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 they can't, they cannot uh, picture uh, uh, a future of Canada where oil is a thing of the past. They just can't. In fact, I wasn't a fact I wasn't even aware of um, until this evening um was that the conservative party has you know, conservative mps voted themselves the right to decide who should be booted from caucus and who shouldn't so the leader can't even boot a rebel from caucus now he's they can in the senate hence senator batters has uh, been given the heave ho although she won't lose her job she'll just lose the, the party whip um but an mp is saying the same thing uh the leader can't even stop them doing it i mean this is a recipe for disaster in in, in party politics as it I, works. I, uh, I, I do think uh, I, I do think the writing's on the wall. I don't think you know as kudos for Aaron O'Toole for kicking out Denise Batters is the first definitive move I've seen him make as leader in well two years, I guess. Uh, but it will. I think it's a matter of too little, too late. I think there are too many people who are who are right now looking at Denise and. Uh, the the knives are sharpening for Aaron O'Toole. I think Aaron would know it, and I think he's he's planning to, you know, I, I think we're I think we're at the start of a very messy civil war within the Conservative Party, and, and which is sad because I mean, Trudeau does have a minority government, 
Trudeau's, you're basically handing Trudeau another majority for the next few years. Um, I don't think anybody's going to get a majority. Not anytime soon, soon, but, but, but you're handing but him the a, is, a, a, a more stable well, no, but if you want to, it's an effective majority because they're like the conservatives are not going to take down the. They're just they they can't they don't they, maybe they will maybe they're just crazy and they'll they'll vote it all down who knows but they'll be eaten alive I think at the polls if they did that I, I I just think it's it's gonna be an interesting few months it's gonna be a bloody few years um it's it's well and there's rumors of course that that the liberals and the NDP are. Negotiating, negotiating much more closely this time around than, than previously, oh, and to be honest, yeah. I hope that's the case. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, wait they should see. do. Well, I think that's our episode for today. We're coming up on the mark, uh, closing mark. People are getting tired of listening to us rolling, so I'm going to call our quits and call it a night. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please uh, go uh, go check out our Patreon and buy me a coffee. Links in our show notes. Uh, And also check out our sponsor, uh, South River Brewing. Again, links in the show notes. Uh, Throw them a few bucks if you can. Uh, Be greatly appreciated. And we will talk with you next week. Take care. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.